From Quoted Studios, this is Blank on Blank, distributed by the public radio exchange PRX.org. I'm David Gerlach. It's a great pleasure to introduce Kurt Vonnegut. In November 1970, the author, Kurt Vonnegut, walked into a classroom at NYU, New York University. He was a guest speaker that day, and he'd prepared some handwritten notes on what he wanted to say. There were his thoughts on the art of writing, his childhood, the death of his parents. He jumped from topic to topic as he shuffled through his papers. Sometimes his voice trailed off. He delivered punchlines with perfect timing. The class roared, and we get to be flies on the wall that day. It's a really special recording that comes to us from the Pacifica Radio Archives. So take a seat, put your book bag down, and enjoy. Here's Kurt Vonnegut. I left Indianapolis following puberty. My father and grandfather were both architects out there. When I went into the arts, it was a perfectly ordinary thing to do. It wasn't parent bopping. You know, it it often is a terrible insult to some family if, if one of the kids turns out to be an artist, you know. And that's one way to really shake up a family if you haven't got nerve enough to turn into a homosexual. <laughs> As my father and my grandfather were not only architects, but they were painters in Indianapolis, and they were pretty good. Uh, But they were extremely uncomfortable out there because there is a strong feeling in the Middle West that the artist is not pulling his own weight, no matter how hard he may work, is that the other people are doing the real stuff. And... uh, When I went to high school in Indianapolis, I learned how to walk around looking tough because everybody had to do that. And I I went out to Indianapolis, I go out there occasionally and they're still doing it. It's walking around looking very tough because something might happen, you know? (laughs) I was raised by a black maid by the name of Ida Young. I probably talked to her more than anybody, so whatever is nutty about me was nutty about her too, I think, because I saw a lot more of her than I did of my parents. Now, here comes a rather intimate part, as I used to keep it a big secret, and I used to have awful guilt feelings. My mother was crazy toward the end. She was all right in the daytime unless you tried to take her picture, where you get a bizarre reaction at night. She would really get wild, squaring people away and crashing around the house. That was barbiturates. These were supposed to tranquilize her, and they turned her brain to cobwebs. And I can't get mad at my mother because I pity her so much, is what she went through. I went and saw my uh, parents' tombstone a couple of months ago, and I cried, and I hadn't cried for a long time, and what I was crying about was I wished they had been happier than they were, and I think this is probably a dumb thing to do. I think probably parents are much happier than the parents realize. I remember I asked my father what the happiest day of his marriage had been. This was after my mother died. And he said, well, they had an Oldsmobile and they broke into the Indianapolis 500 mile speedway one Sunday and just drove around and around and around and around. I have no college degree, and one advantage of not having taken anything past freshman English was that I did not have to learn good taste. And so that when I was writing badly, 
I thought it was pretty damn good. If I had been in the English department and had written a story which was pretty good for a guy 19 years old, Professor Sweetbreads would have come over and said, my boy, that's extremely interesting. Now I want to show you how Henry James handled exactly the same situation. <laughs> it's thanks a lot, you son of a bitch. You know, uh, and on some level, they know what they're doing, too. There's no English department has ever produced a writer. It's a pretty efficient system. Uh, I've heard that a writer is lucky because he cures himself every day with his work. What everybody is well advised to do is to not write about your own life. This is if you want to write fast. You will be writing about your own life anyway, but you won't know it. And the thing is, in order to sit alone and work all day long, you must be a terrible overreactor, and you're sitting there doing what paranoids do, is putting together clues, making them add up, you know. <laughs> putting the fact that they put me in the room 471, you know, and what does that mean and everything? Well, nothing means anything, except the artist makes his living by pretending, by putting it in a meaningful hole, though no such holes exist, and you need paranoia for energy, too. You must be terribly worried and secretly full of hate. I am now older than George Orwell when he died. I'll soon be older than Jack Kerouac when he died. Anyway, I've wondered why all these people kill themselves. And I think that writers, creative writers, are in the process of becoming. They are humanity becoming. It's like reaching into the mouth of a student and taking a hold of a piece of tape in the back of the mouth without getting bitten and seeing what the hell's written on it and then just keep pulling it out and the person doesn't know what the hell it is. And I think it becomes an exhausting thing to do. That's about it. A lot of people decline to do it anymore. It becomes too unpleasant. I have written a story called The Big Space Fuck. And it's, a, it's about this big, uh, <laughs> it's, it's about the end of the world. All they're left are lampreys and human beings, and they're turning into man-eating lampreys. The space program now has built this enormous spaceship, and the hope is that human life will somewhere go on. It's got a big warhead on it filled with sperm, you see. And they're, <laughs> they are firing this thing out there, hoping it'll hit something, you see, and life. Kurt Vonnegut in a classroom at New York University in 1970. Man-eating lampreys are the recurring theme in the animated version of this episode. Watch it on our website, blankonblank.org. We've also posted more outtakes from that talk with Vonnegut, um, including his thoughts on war, serving in the infantry, and Slaughterhouse Five. This recording comes to us from pacificaradioarchives.org. It originally aired on KPFT Radio in Houston. Amy Drostovska was my co-pilot producing this Far Out episode, and I want to invite you to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Find our treasures from the archives at blank on blank. 
Before we go, some more musings from Kurt Vonnegut on being an entertainer. Until next time, I'm David Gerlach. Keep listening. How important my books are, are, or anybody's books are, I don't know. I don't think they're terribly important. I think that they uh, make people contented during the period they're reading them. And this is worth something, is to take care of somebody for a couple of hours. Uh, there will always be magic entertainers who will comfort people some during uh, the Job story that all our lives are. For this reason, I honor my own profession. We are entertainers, don't do a whole lot, but something. <laughs>